Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 937. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored Le'ili Nishmas, Fabel Yitzchak ben Aftali David al-Shalom, by the uh, Lewis family in memory of Fred Lewis. So may our learning be Le'ili Nishmas. So. so the question I'd like to discuss today is really a question relating to this sitter. And the question is, why is there a sitter? I guess it's a pretty fundamental question. Why is their formula or a standardization for tefillah? Why isn't something that we do just, uh, I don't know, we spend a couple of minutes, uh, think a little bit, then just move on? Why can it possibly, how could it possibly be a good idea that there is liturgy, a set uh, sequence of words to say? Why is that a good idea? So the interesting thing is that the Torah itself has liturgy within it. What am I talking about? So there are a few times in the Torah where we are told that we're supposed to say a particular statement in a particular context. So uh, many of them you're probably familiar with. For example, Berchus Kohanim. When it comes to the Berchus Kohanim, the blessings that the Kohanim are supposed to bestow on the Jewish people. So it says there, Dabar al-Aron v'yalban of Lemar, Kosevarchu es Yisrael, Amar lahem. Say to them as follows. And the quotes start now. Each one of these lines has its own theme, each has its own idea, and you know, even, even the, the numbers of the words themselves, three, five, seven, three prime numbers, whatever. A lot to talk about when it comes to this particular formula of words that make up this blessing, but the Torah specifically wants us to say these words. We have this example as well in, in Devarim, where there's Egla Arufa, where they find a dead body, and they're trying to figure out who uh, who should be assigned the guilt for this dead body, and it says, Va'anu va'amru, that there's a formula that they're supposed to say, the elders of the city who come for this procedure, Yodeinu lo shavcha sadama our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Rather, kapar l'amchi yisrael sherpadisa, etc., etc. And so, here's another example of liturgy. But that's not the only time. We have this in the Devarim Chafvah. We have two different situations which require a particular text. One is the Bikurim, and that particular text we're probably familiar with. We're supposed to recite as follows. And here, the recitation, you know, you could begin quote marks, because it says, Arami, Oved, Avi, Vayered, Mitzrayim, and here, when a person brings their first fruits to Jerusalem, they're supposed to, to the Beis HaMikdash, they're supposed to recount how they got there, how we all got there, beginning with Arami Oviravi, all the way through the Exodus and the subsequent um, you know, redemption and, and all of the miracles, etc., and, and, and subsequently the, the settlement of Eretz Yisrael. Now, that's so interesting because this particular text is something that we do a deep dive into at the Seder, because we're so like, oh wow, this text must be a big deal. And indeed it is. But here's another example of a text that is provided to us to say. Later in that very chapter, when a person brings their, their tithes, so there's something known as Vidui Maisa, where it says, Vi Amarta, and you shall say, And again, we have a very specific set of words that are supposed to be saying, that obviously, the most famous one of these is the very Shema itself. The first paragraph of Shema and the second paragraph of Shema are both paragraphs made up of themes. The first paragraph is the theme of Shema, listen, God is one, and Havta, love God with all that you have. Those are the first two verses. But the rest of the verses of that paragraph have nothing to do with the theme. They just have to do with, what should I now go do with that theme? These words, 
Right, so these words should be on your heart. And not only should they be on your heart, but you should also speak them. When should you speak them? In the morning, at night, when you're at home, you should uh, speak them when you're on your way, when you're at home, in the evening, in the, in the morning. And so the instructions for what to do with the theme, one of the instructions is recite them. And so again, the recitation of the Shema, both first and second paragraph, relate to this idea that there is liturgy in the Torah. There are actually texts now, the, the, that we're supposed to say, and there's and there's deep meaning behind these texts. And the question, of course, is why? Why is this composed for us? So the question really has two parts. Question number one: Why can't we just think things? And question number two: You know, why do we have to articu- articulate these specific things and not just other things that we might want to make up? So to the question of why we can't just think things, the answer is relatively simple. Many of the Rishonim discuss this. The idea simply is: It's really hard. It's really difficult to concentrate and to focus our attention long enough to be able to uh, articulate our thoughts from beginning to end. Uh, it requires meditative ability, it requires very, very high uh, level of, of mental faculties and, and concentration and focus, something which a lot of people are unable to do. The Chovas Halavovos, for example, says, The ideas and the thinking that happens in our minds that is easily distracted. The in his believe, and it doesn't. It has no retention. Because with speed we lose thoughts. Thoughts fleet are fleeting through our minds. It's very difficult for a person to really, really focus themselves properly towards this task. And therefore, we should have to articulate it in a sentence, and that sentence will need to have a beginning and a middle and an end, and that'll focus us on getting from the beginning to the end without any sort of distraction. So simply, it's because it's really hard to do. But there's another, uh, you know, it makes it more populist. Other other sources point to the fact that when it comes to uh, thinking about, like, why is it that we have words in our tefillah? We can't, why can't we just think thoughts? I mean, the good part about words is that, you know, you have people who might not think such lofty thoughts who are saying the words anyway. So it motivates, it's a more of a populist approach to tefillah, give people words to say, and by having words, everybody is going to be able to participate in this process, and hopefully they'll be able to derive meaning out of the, the words that they're, so to speak, forced to be saying. Whereas, if we only left it for those and people and their thoughts, it would probably be more difficult for uh, most people to even have an entry point into formal tefillah. Okay, or into any sort of tefillah. So now the question then becomes, so once it's the case that it can't just be thoughts, and I guess there's one more classic approach, and that is when it comes to, you know, when it comes to a relationship, we always uh, want uh, the person to behave as if they love us, not just just to say the words, and definitely not just to think the words. And so while God doesn't need us to do that, and oh, you know, God can know if we're thinking it, but for us to really be invested in a relationship, the evidence of that investment would be found in more effort, not less, in articulation of thoughts, not just having the thoughts themselves. And so for all of those reasons, it seems that words are necessary, right? Words at all are necessary. So the Torah in all of these situations doesn't just say, hey, think good thoughts, right? We need to articulate it. That's number one. But also, there's the question of why these words. Now, this is a question that I think we should probably spend more time on. And there are a few answers to this question, a bunch of answers that are provided to this question. I'm actually collecting here a bunch of answers that are provided in the Koren Megerman 
uh, edition of the Siddur. These are, I think, put together by Rabbi J. Goldmintz. A nice little assembly of all of these uh, different ideas of why it's so important to articulate tefillah in the way we do. Why should we begin with a structured text, which it seems is, uh, I don't know, it's a straitjacket. We have to say these words. Why would it be a good thing? So, number one, he has over here how prayer attaches you to Jewish history. Uh, and I'm actually, this is my number one that I mentioned, not his. But prayer attaches you to Jewish history. There's so many different piyutim that we insert over the course of the tefillos throughout the year, which describe and discuss things that have occurred to the Jewish people over the course of the centuries. And therefore we have this opportunity by reciting these tefillos, by reciting these prayers, to be able to uh, tap ourselves into these past events. That's one idea. He talks about how prayer joins us to other Jews, how the fact that there's uniformity over here, a person can show up in any community, in any place, and connect with all of the people around them. He talks about how it's in Hebrew, and Hebrew is a very deep language, which uh, lends towards many uh, very beautiful interpretations of words and many different layers of interpretation. He talks about how um, when it talks, when we think about Jewish tefillah, and defining Jewish tefillah, Jewish tefillah is not something which is, uh, you know, necessarily just prayer. It, it's specifically to Jewish uh, theology, and and it really has an it, it teaches you about what Jews believe about the world. So so for example, you know, when we think about when we pray for Jerusalem, what do we mean? When we pray for Jerusalem, so the prayer, the text that is there, will lead us in the direction towards thinking what it is that Judaism expects of Jerusalem, or what it is that Judaism expects of tshuva. Whereas if I would think about repentance and forgiveness on my own, perhaps the notions in my own mind would not be true to what Jewish thought is. And so the actual set text, the things that we pray for being set, allows us to plug into what are classically and important Jewish ideas. So all of these reasons and the, the structure and, and different things lend towards not only the necessity of having words, but a specific set of words. And over time, of course, we'll discuss why these particular words have a great day.